It's a hockey show for you, the best fans in the AHL. Comets Insider on 94.9 K-Rock. Brought to you by Pathfinder Bank, Slocum Dixon Medical Group, and by Labatt Blue. Well, he got it to Goss. He goes to Chatfield. His blast missed the net. Pied out of the air. In front, they score! Tanner Skills the new guys got. Malone up the left. Yes! Seamus Malone scores with a five-hole wrister that beats Lacoube. They call him Jazzy. He's got flair. Let's see what he shows off here. Can he have the winner for the Comets? Yashik in on Lacoube for the win. Yashik scores! It's over! The eight-game streak is over! It's time to go top shelf at the 72 Tavern and Grill. It's Rain Man and Scoop. Last week it was Joe Roberts. How'd Joe do? He did great. I figured it Joe and Tom were both here. Uh, yeah, Tom was here as well. I was about to say welcome back again. I'm Thank sorry. you. I appreciate you stepping in. And My Joe, pleasure. Joe as well. Voice of the Utica Comets, Joe Roberts will join once again in his usual spot at 730. We're going to talk to Corey Hergott with Canucks Army at 745. My name is Rain. Scoop is here. I think you know the rest for now. Scoop usually opens his second segment with all the places to find the podcast and to stream and all that, so I'm going to leave that to him. Before we get it started and in, in digging any further to this, no player tonight. There is, there's a birthday party apparently, and the guys are celebrating. I, nice team bonding is really what I think this is, and I, I mean you're looking at a playoff push. Fact of the matter is, oh yeah, mathematically there's a chance. Uh, obviously, backs up against the wall. They've they've got a lot of work to do. Fingers crossed. Certain other things have to kind of go their way. You gotta hope that Cleveland loses, and Belleville, Belleville loses, and we win. Essentially, uh, but we're looking we're looking to make the playoffs, and there's still a chance. So we'll remain positive as long as we can. But when you look at it, so you have a loss, two to one to Belleville this past Wednesday. Since of course the last Utica Comets insider here last Monday. Then on Friday, Laval with the two to one shutout, they won that game. Everybody felt good, and then you turn around, you go out to Syracuse. And in a 6-2. I mean, it was a pretty convincing loss to the Syracuse Crunch, who are looking real good, let's just be perfectly honest. April Fool's Day joke. Think about that. What can we do with that? We discussed that off the air. We'll keep it. We'll discuss during the commercial break. Three games, four goals, though, when it's all said and done. Let's start there. You do that, you're not going to win a lot of games. That doesn't... It's It's been... A continuing problem for the better and, part of the month of March. And when we score three, they score five. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's and it, I, I'm I'm confident we don't have those numbers. But I think if we went back and take a look at the at the game sheets, the difference in shots, not that. In fact, I know in the game that that went to the shootout uh, on Friday night, we dominated as far as shots on goal. And we outshot Syracuse as well. So it's not a case that they're not getting any opportunities. And and we could certainly sit back and say. You know, the quality uh, of the, the opportunity might not be. Maybe, maybe not that great, but if you put the puck on the net, good things can happen. They went in, in the second period intermission interview that I, do, that I do. They had a plus 15 shot differential. In the second period, they held, they held um, uh, who was it? It was Laval. Laval or Syracuse, you're talking no, I'm short-term uh, memory loss. Laval yeah. to two shots. For yep. the period. Yep. Now, I can remember that they held them to two shots, but not their name. You figured <laughs> that one out. Nevertheless, they, they've they had the opportunities. It's not as though they haven't looked 
they've looked horrible. It's not as though they haven't had their chances. And you go back to the first 10 games in the franchise's history. And I remember walking off the ice and talking to Travis Green after the game and just saying, God, the bounces are there. They're just not breaking your way. It's got to break your way at some point. And it's comparable in this situation. Some of the bounces are there. They're just not breaking their way. The problem is first 10 games of the season, running out of time at the end of the season. Yeah. I think that's the thing that, the, that this club is facing. And isn't it crazy that probably the two overall worst stretches were bookending where the yeah. very the very first 10 and where we are right now six years into it. it it's crazy. you got 70 points. You're six in the North Division. Cleveland has the game in hand still. 74 points for Cleveland. Belleville has 74. It's a tall task in when, when you break it down, I mean, what are we, under 10? I think it's nine games left now. Yep. It, it, it's a very tall task. People are, you know, everybody's realistic about that. Uh, it's not over until the mathematician walks in and says we're done. Um, but it's it's a tall task. I would ask Tom, so you kind of shared some of Travis Green's words with the opening 10, 11 games of the Utica Comets existence. But let's... Let's put that up against what Call has, Trent Call has said recently with the struggles that this team has had, basically for the better part of the month of March, where it got to the point the other day he had said, we just want to win one for these fans, these yeah. loyal fans that are here all the time. Go ahead. I, I, I think one thing that, that they have said, and there's one word they have both used, um, and that's process. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the process. We're, we're playing the parts of the process that we need. The, I think the difficulty is, as we had just pointed out, is the point uh, is the time in the season when these two streaks occur. You know, Travis had a, in fact, Travis had it right from the beginning and almost snuck them in that inaugural yeah. season. Um, right now, we're at a point where Trent may work the process out and run out of time. We'll have to wait and see. Two ten and two. In March, and I had spoken with you earlier, Rain. That very well might be the worst March in this franchise's history. I, you know, I'm not a stat whiz like Ben Burnell or Corey Hergott, but I can't remember a March this bad. And the the wheels coming off the wagon like they have this month, and it, it's it is bad bounces too. It's not like it's just completely horrible play. It's just things don't go your way. And as we have mentioned before, sometimes you're not playing that good and you win and you win and you win and you win. And, and all the good and forward inertia we had going about two months ago has literally evaporated in the month of March. Yeah, some people will argue momentum is, is not a real thing and others will argue that momentum is a thing. Maybe in certain sports, in hockey, I really feel like it is because when it snowballs, you, how many times do you see a team get one, two, three, those quick goals in succession, and it just deflates a team? It's very hard to then turn around and, you know, go regroup, cool off a little bit between periods, come back out. Was and, it two and, goals within 25 seconds against yeah. Syracuse the yeah. other night? So, Well, it, it, on the big screen here at 72 Tavern is, is the women's NCAA basketball. It's the only other game that has up and down comparable to hockey, and yet there there's so much slowdown and time in between, and you've got a clock, and you take that clock to the full end of things, and you can break momentum. Whereas in hockey, it doesn't stop. And you're right. that Just by the nature of the game itself, momentum is a crucial thing. And momentum can carry from the end of 60 minutes into the next 60 minutes once you've got something really rolling. It, it, it just seems as though 
what momentum was was in favor of of Utica was originated out of the blue line. Yeah. And when that blue line got broken up because of problems up top, and look, we're still a developmental league that hasn't changed in the American Hockey League, and you lose guys like Shen. And, and some of the other guys that we lost going up, Sautner, uh, Sautner you know, Brisbois, who's, who was looking really, really good and strong. It changed everything. Yeah, that's actually something that I have written down that I want to talk about as we get farther into this. Uh, but I, I wanted to start with the offense, though. I want, to, I want to go there. But let's regroup for everybody. We are, of course, experiencing 10-cent wing night here at the 72 Tavern with 94.9 K-Rock. This is Utica Comets Insider. It does smell fantastic here. We'll give you that caveat. That that has to be put out there. I don't know what kind of wings I'm ordering later, but I'm going to, and it's good till 9 o'clock. Scoop is here. Tom Coyne is here. My name is Rain. But let's start with some of the offense that's gone. And and I guess the question is ultimately when, I, when I'm done laying this out for you guys is maybe the personnel isn't here. The bounces are there, as you alluded to. But maybe the pure scoring guys or have that, that, that touch to... To make those ones that are just wide or off the off the post go in, your Darren Archibalds who got the empty netter the other night, but your Carconis, we forget about guys like that. Jonathan Dolan was a pure offensive guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, injuries. Reed Boucher has been out a couple of times, right. and he scores with a bad hand the other night. It's crazy, but you got a guy with a bad hand scoring a goal, and we we talked last week about the Comets have three twenty goal scorers. Yeah. And that's not something we've always had. Uh, never. But what are the rest of the guys doing on the roster? You know, you got to have the muckers, yeah. the black aces, well, if you will. You, you look at the, the guys like Caro, McEwen, even Gaunt from time to time, Reed Boucher. These are the guys that you know are going to score. But then you, you delete those other three guys from the roster, and there's a cohesiveness when they play a, a stretch of 5, 10, 15 games together, same line, on the power play and things like that. That cohesiveness that's there. Well, when you delete a player, even though two guys might remain, you're putting somebody they're not as familiar playing with on a regular basis there. So that's going to diminish the numbers they're putting up also. The passes aren't as crisp. I could go on and on and on, but you know where I'm going with no, this. Uh, no, I do, and I think you hit the nail on the head with that because it's not only that, that they get moved around, but it's their line mates. Fresh faces. Exactly. Uh, guys that aren't normally normally there, so I don't know if this guy is going to cut or if he's if he's hanging back. Where do I put that pass? Does he is this guy go to the net or does he go into the corners? Where do I put this puck? And and you hesitate and you're lost at this game, and especially at, at the AHL and NHL level. I would also posit that. You know, we have played some pretty good goaltenders. Wedgwood. Absolutely. You know, we have played some goaltenders that are that are solid. So, I mean, we have to we have to add that into the equation. There, there's some powerhouse teams, not only within the division, but in this region of the AHL that they play a lot. Rochester's a solid team. Syracuse is a solid team. And, and on and on and on. I mean, Belleville went on a streak that was, what, was four, 17, 17 games? 17 games. I thought it was 14. I lost track. I mean, those are that, those are dynamite hockey teams, and and that's one of the difficulties that we face. Um, I, I, it's beautiful that they're all in our neighborhood. Uh, even this this Cleveland team is a is a good solid hockey team. So you know we do we we face very very strong. And that's taking nothing away from the Pacific. 
or any of the other, you know, divisions. But can I ask? Go ahead, you can finish your point. No, no, that's. Can I ask you both this question? And, and I understand that we have, because he was an original and we've put him on a pedestal, the fan base, he, he arguably probably still the most famous or popular comet ever. Uh, but Darren Archibald is just one of those guys that seem people gravitate towards in a locker room. And, and I just wonder if that intangible may be missing sometimes from this team. He galvanizes his teammates. He was symbolic and synonymous with the Utica Comets. And, and maybe he's helped to bring that locker room in Belleville together. And is something like that missing? Don't, don't get me wrong. And it's not a disrespect to the Carter Banks or the Wacy Hamiltons right. or those guys. You understand what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not trying to cut anybody else down by saying that. But I wonder if the deletion of Darren or am I being too much of a homer and a well, fan would, might have something to do with that. Because I think it's not just the deletion of Archibald, but... Demko isn't here. Yeah. Sautner isn't here. Breezewise isn't here. I mean, you got to add all that up. I don't think it comes down to one guy. Certainly, Archibald was a, a force to be reckoned with on the ice, in the locker room. And he's paying dividends up there in Belleville. However, we've just... <laughs> everything has just gone wrong in March here. You know, I mean... I, I, I get back to the point with regard to Archie. I, I think that the kind of hockey player that Archie was, or is... Um, is the kind of guy that when he's on your when he's wearing the same uniform that you are, you there's a comfort zone that comes along with that, mm-hmm. um, and you know that there's somebody who's going to have your back, and if somebody gets you, um, takes a run at you, uh, does anything like that, we've only got one guy right there right now, and he wears 21, that is in the comparable boat, and he's had injury difficulties and hasn't been able to go a full go this season. Um, he may not have the offensive skills that Archie has, which is another factor that comes into play. Without a doubt. And, and but, you know, our, the trade takes place. Archie's gone. Club went on a little streak after that. They sure did. You know, so. Um, and I'm a fan of, you know, P- Pyatt is the guy on the roster ultimately that replaced him. It's it, with, I suppose, minutes or whatnot, or, yeah. you know, with second line, I think. And I, I like his game, but there there is a size differential there too. Continue well, your point. There's a style play of style of play difference too. Sure. You know, Pyatt is not you know as physical as Archie. Um, he's not going to throw the body around on the defensive end as Archie, and um, he's not going to muck it up in, in front of the crease like Archie would. So you know, it's a different. He's a different hockey player. Give me an assess. Give me an, a quick assessment of the goaltending situation. It, it's it's tough to point a finger at Leighton and not be happy what he's done overall. I think he stepped in admirably. It's not Thatcher Demko, though. No. Who, but I'll tell who you is th- clearly elite at this level. I will tell you this, because I have a great seat. I sit right, right literally on the glass at center ice um, and got to watch a couple of those early goals that got scored on Leighton. And the fact of the matter is, is that he never saw them. And Learnout picked a corner and, and Leighton never saw that puck. The problem is, is that he's getting screened. Yeah. And you and Thatcher, even Thatcher, if you if you did not give him a chance to see the shot, would have difficulty with it. Marty Brodeur, if you didn't get, I don't care who's the goaltender, you got to give them an opportunity to be able to see and play the puck. And I don't think that Leighton has had that cleanly and clearly. 
all the time. There have been some defensive breakdowns. That's one of many things we'll get to in our next segment. Don't forget, Joel Roberts, the voice of the Utica Comets, joins us on the phone at 7.30 from Canucks Army. Comets Corey or Corey Hergott will join us at about 7.45. Tom Coyne, the voice of the Adirondack Bank Center, public address announcer. Scoop is here. My name is Rain. We'll return in just a couple of minutes. Utica Comets Insider live from the 72 Tavern and Grill for 10 Cent Wing Night with 94.9 K-Rock. Utica! It's time to go top shelf at the 72 Tavern and Grill for Comets Insider. Now back to two guys who have spent more than a little time in the sin bin. It's Rain Man and Scoop. Now, a whole new rash of penalty minutes. Uh, uh, we got a whole new attitude. What about them? They're not just bullies. What do you mean just bullies? They scare the bejesus out of everybody. <laughs> Deliberately. Comets Insider. On 94.9 K-Rock. 10 cent wings at 72 Terran and Grill tonight till 9 p.m. It is Comets Insider brought to you by LeBat Blue, Slocum Dixon, Pathfinder Bank. You can listen on the K Rock app. You can stream at krock.com. You can ask Alexa, your Amazon smart speaker, to enable the Utica K Rock skill, the K Rock Utica skill. And if you missed uh, any of the show or any of these shows, We've got them uh, linked on social media. You can find them Google, iTunes, of course, uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, at KROCKCNY, the Instagram stories. No player tonight. There is a team get-together tonight. So you've got Rain, myself, and Tom Coyne, the public address announcer at the Adirondack Bank Center. Uh, I was not here last week, obviously, and everybody filled in. Cole Lind was here, who we were... We had the week before, but he had to back out at the last minute. And we had all this material on him. And, and if you if you want to listen to last week's podcast with Cole Lind, that is available. What did you learn? What did you learn about Cole Lind that you didn't know? Tell me something, guys. Let's give a little tease out there for people to go back and listen to that podcast, let alone, you know, tonight. Nice kid, humble kid. Um, an interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, interesting neighborhood lake acquisition on the Comet staff. Yeah, Dylan Stevenson, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who was like a neighbor. And we, we learned about uh, his 10,000-acre farm that he lived on, his brothers and sisters, his family. Full uh, hockey family. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, kind of interesting guy because, you know, he goes to Kelowna and, like, right away wins the championship. That spends three years there, you know. One of the things I want to ask you, you might think it's going to come easy to you after you, you, know, you join this team and you win a championship. Of course. Uh, but it's interesting. He, he does have a good work ethic. Yeah. Realizes, you know, that he has to put in some work. He thinks he's getting better. Is he 21 yet? He's not 21 yet. That's not, what I'm saying. Yeah. Not until uh, the fall. What are you expecting? I, and not everybody's October. Wayne Gretzky and walks in at 18 and dominates the world. This is not an easy game to play. Not in any way, shape, or form. It, and, and that's part of the problem is, is that... It's not an easy game to play, and these guys are young, and, and their level of experience is, um, with all due respect to the uh, OHL, which is, I think, maybe the best level of, of junior, junior yeah. hockey, yeah. it's nothing compared to the A. I mean, it's you're, you're, there's, a, there's a discussion, it's ironic that we have this conversation now, I read something yesterday, where there is a discussion that's going on, and it's been going on in USA hockey for a little while, and it's now starting to go on uh, north of the border as well. And that is to eliminate, at younger levels, um, checking. And as they point out, and, and maybe even in high schools here, because you could go out there. I got a son who played high school hockey. He made the high school hockey team uh, varsity as a seventh grader. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's a seventh grader. He was uh, 14 years old, and he's going up against 18-year-old kids. All right, now he didn't play a hell of a lot. The first time he got into a game was sitting out a penalty on the bench. So you know, it was a bench penalty. When well, you do the basic math on that, though, that's not going to work out well right. for a kid that age. But but a kid that age, if he if he goes out and he would get a couple of shifts at the end of a game, and you know you got. 17, 18 year old kids that he's getting up and skating against, and all he has to do is get, you know, get bopped, and the damage is done. These guys here, you get some 16, 17, 18 year old kids up in, in junior hockey that are going up against maybe an overage kid at 20, and they can get destroyed. Then you get a guy who, and we've seen it early on in the season, and I think one of the best examples of that was Petrus Palmil, who came in, excuse me, I get emotional. Actually, no, I get fun. Um, <laughs> Palmer came in and believed that he could do some of the same things that he was doing over in Europe. And learn the hard way. Found out and very quickly that, that was not it the didn't case. work here. And he was a pinball. And that's why he's back in Europe with all due respect. And he even acknowledged he's working on his game. He kind of has to do that. Exactly. It's, it's Jonah Gadjevich is another one who brought up the difference, a big difference between juniors. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now it's happening to me. See, he passed there it across is. the table. Uh, he, he brought up the same thing, though, the, just the speed, the size differential. There's, there's, and it's details. They always bring up it's the details within the game, which, which is the hardest thing to adjust to, to tweak your game. If you want to get better, you've, you've got to work on this. And you've got to get stronger. You've got to eat better. You've got to sleep. You've got you to become a professional. It's, it's, you get by on, on your talent or natural God-given ability, but it doesn't work when you get to this level. You've got to put in the work and... There's just so many things maybe you're not even quite aware of, Tom. If you were good enough to have been drafted, whether it's out of college or it's out of junior hockey, at, at that point, you were the king of the hill. You were a big man on campus. You walked around. You walked into the rink, and everybody pointed to you. You get uh, your first year in the American Hockey League, and there's about eight different big men on campus on your roster. Yeah. And the other club has got a whole bunch of big men on campus, Plus, guys who were big men on campus five, six years ago. They've already got five or six years of experience at this level of hockey. And they may have a dozen or 20 or 60 games in the NHL, and they're back down here playing hockey. You're going to go up against that? Man, if you were good enough to do that, you'd be up at the big time. There there are things about the game at that point in, in a player's career that they might even be a season or two away from learning just through the repetition of practicing and playing at this level where the guys you're going up against, it's been second nature to them already right. for two, three, four seasons. You, you haven't even begun to scratch the surface of, of some of the knowledge of the game, the, the details of the game that you need. And, and I also wonder if that's part of what's happened. What's cooking to, right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're right. And, and we'll go back to the defenses. We've got Scoop, Tom Coyne, and I'm Rain here on Utica Comets, etc. 94.9 K-Rock, live from the 72 Tavern for 10-cent wing night. But Pat Grave is an example. Uh, and you can look at some of these other defensive breakdowns, which we'll get into a little bit further. But is there, do they know the systems? Do you know what I mean? The basic details. Or coming in, into there, it, picking it, it up. It reminds me, we'll go to scoop on this, of a conversation we've had with Trent Call about that. How with last year, 
They had so many new guys. They just had to go over systems very late in the year. He's he's like, there's five games left in the year, and he's like, I'm teaching guys systems. Yeah. That I was implementing after we got back from Vancouver, Patinkton, or whatever, in, in training camp. And I shouldn't be teaching this at this point in the season. These guys don't go out there with a the secondhand knowledge of of how offense and defense is working or special right. teams is working on this. So that's that, it's explainable why things aren't clicking. You have the plausible deniability. They, they don't know what you have. It, it's, it's a situation of they don't know the system. They don't know the breakout. They don't know getting back on coverage. They're not familiar with their partner. They're not familiar with their goaltender. Different goaltenders like, dealt, uh, like the puck dealt with in different ways. This is all... The, it, March is not the time to be learning. You know, that's the time to be into cruise control. And that's where, you know, some of the things we were referencing in our first segment with Michael Layton sometimes, there's just been situations he's been in where there's nothing he can do. Even, as you said, Thatcher Demko, there's nothing you can do about it. And it's not an indictment of anybody's game. No. It's just that these these are the breaks, and this happens to all teams, Scoop. Yeah, and I think we alluded to the, the blue line as the tease in our last segment. And that really is where a lot of this goes. Yeah. Because we have Breezewan, and Sotner up there. And doesn't uh, it trigger good offense, too? And, and, and they need them. And, and sometimes it's overlooked how important to the offense those guys are. Getting the puck up the ice, protecting the goaltender, the goaltender knowing where his defense is going to be. Uh, and, and now, you know, we don't have the goaltender in there that we started the season with. We don't necessarily have the, the blue line guys that we started the season with. There's a whole lot of flux, a whole lot of change. There's still growing going on here, and the guys we had here were good, so they're up with they're hoping to, to help Vancouver make a playoff push. You know, it's funny. Let's put this out here. Here's your, if the Comets make the playoffs, based on the players available to them and their roster to, to go in the playoffs, top six, and we've covered this in weeks past with Corey Hergott, Brisbois, Cyphers, Saltner, Chatfield, McEnany, Blugis would be your top six in theory. Right. Was not here. Sautner is not here. McEnany is now out injured again for the rest of the year. Blue just, just got back from injury. You, you would have had with health or assuming he wasn't called up to Vancouver, which based on the way he was playing earlier in the year, it was more than likely, but only you levy. Right. And now you're not faced with those guys. Now you even have Matt Petgrave, who... 15 AHL games in his career. You've got a Colton Saucerman, who this is his longest run in the AHL. No disrespect to either one of their games. These are not the guys you intended to be there. No. And that's part of what these issues are with them defensively. And, and it does. You, you have to focus so much on just stopping them from scoring that I don't even know if offense couldn't be a focus necessarily. Like you said, in March, it should just be all systems go. Right. And, and it's not. And you can't afford to have that at this point in the time. We're up against our break. We are up against the break. Has so let's get ready for Joe Roberts. He's the voice of the Utica Comets. Quick break. He'll join us next. 72 Tavern is where we are live for Utica Comets Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. Utica. Let's do that hockey. Utica Comets Insider. Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill on 94.9 K-Rock. And now our Comets Insider grind line with Rain Man the Rocket. Scoop the Cement Head. And play-by-play voice, Joe Cujo Roberts. Many thanks to Labatt Blue, Slocum, Dixon, and Pathfinder Bank. 
We're getting flemmy here tonight. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what it is. I got to grab the water. We have the voice of the Utica Comets as I'm losing mine. Joe Roberts on the phone. Joe, how is everything? What are your overall feelings about the past week's game, starting with Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, of course, in Syracuse? Yeah, um, you know, it's been uh, tough flooding for the team lately, and I think everybody knows that. Um, but I wouldn't say that there's been a shortage of effort by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's a bunch of guys who are working their tails off, trying to provide results. Um, ultimately, you know, the win against Laval was huge just to take a, a weight and get it off the chest or whatever it may be. And then uh, you look at the Saturday game in Syracuse, and that's just been such a tough place to play, the War Memorial this year. Um, you know, like Utica, they have a good crowd in Syracuse that can kind of jump on you if you fall behind. And um, unfortunately, we've had a tendency to fall behind in that building this year. And uh, you know, it's a difficult place to try to scramble and come back. Uh, they're a high-scoring team, and it, it provided a lot of difficulty for us. But, um, you know, it, it was really nice to get that win against Laval because Laval's a team that's playing very well right now. Um, and you want to be able to get results against uh, a team that's below you in the standings. Obviously, you have to win some games against team that are the teams that are above you in the standings. But, um, you know, that win, I think, uh, could be huge as we move down the stretch. Joe, the next three weekends are going to make or break a potential playoff run, and two of them are three and three weekends. The final two seasons of the, the fi- final two weekends of the season, uh, and two games with Toronto and two games with Syracuse. <laughs> at least we get Syracuse at home for one of those. That's right. Uh, what are you looking at as we go to Toronto? Uh, well, actually, here at Toronto, and then uh, on the road in Syracuse this weekend. Yeah, uh, you know, this is a huge weekend. Uh, I don't want to say this upcoming weekend is is the make-or-break one because there will still be points on the table with uh, six games remaining after that. But i got to tell you what, uh, you know, if you come out of this weekend with anything fewer than four points, it's going to make the journey a lot more difficult. So um, it's a huge weekend. Like I said, you got to beat the teams that are above you in the standings. Um, Toronto and Syracuse are, are both above you to come in the standings. And, um, you know, I, I don't see why those games can't be winnable. Obviously, the one that you have to look at a little closer is that road game in Syracuse next Saturday. Um, You've got to find a way to to get over that hurdle that has been playing in that building this year. And, uh, you know, if you can pick up a good win on Friday, backed by what's sure to be another fantastic crowd at the odd, then uh, who's to say that that momentum can't carry over into the, into the next night? So, uh, obviously, this this upcoming weekend is, and we've been calling every game uh, in the last few weeks the biggest game of the season. But this upcoming weekend is, without question, um, uh, the biggest weekend of the season. Like I said, not quite make or break, um, especially when you when you consider things mathematically. But uh, it, it's going to be enormous, and there's no downplaying that. And I think that. Um, you know, it's it's particularly important to, to come out and support the team and be at the Adirondack Bank Center because obviously this Comets team is is backed by the Comets fans and and it, and it shows. They play so well at home on uh, a packed house with an energetic fan base and um, you know come out Friday and 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 help because uh, every single button the seats. Uh, it's just somebody helping push toward that goal. So, um, you know, we need it. Everybody needs it. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm hoping for is a big win Friday and then obviously take them one on the road Saturday. 
Joe Roberts is the voice of Utica Comets. Nice enough to join us here at 94.9 K-Rock for Utica Comets Insider. Scoop, Rain, and Tom Coyne also here along for the ride. It's basically a team that's in a playoff mode. They have to be in a playoff mode right now. They have to play these remaining regular season games with that type of intensity and that type of purpose. And as Carter Banks and the guys say all the time, the compete level has got to exceed even a normal regular season game because they're really going to have to go out and earn it because it's basically that simple. Backs against the wall, us against the world mentality. Everybody in that locker room focused with eyes on the prize. What are the shortcomings? Uh, We've discussed some of our theories, Joe, uh, but what are some of the shortcomings that you're seeing that maybe need to get cleaned up for this playoff push? Got to score on the power play. Yeah, to come to fruition from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think special teams are going to be a big factor. Um, you know, when you lost Evan McEnany, who was cornerback in that PP1 unit, so good you lost him. And, I, and it was uh, what, right around the time Boucher went down as well. So you lose the two guys that really uh, run your power play along the right side. You have McEnany in the middle, Boucher from that uh, gunslinging spot at the top of the right circle. So uh, power play, I would say, needs to find some efficiency. And, uh, you know, if you look at our success earlier in the season, and I know that it's it wasn't necessarily sustainable, but it felt like we were putting up four and five goals every night. Uh, it's a lot tougher to win when you score once or twice than it is when you score four and five. Um, and, you know, anybody's capable of catching a heater. Uh, so if we can just find the scoring touch here down the stretch, and, and I think our goalies are plenty capable of turning in some some solid enough performances um, that that we can swipe some here in in a bunch in the coming weeks. So I think that uh, I think the scoop that just said at the power play, I, I definitely uh, can't argue that, and I think that might be the most critical when it boils down to it. Special teams have been huge. I mean, look at that game in Syracuse, right? We lost six to two on Saturday. Four goals were from special teams for Syracuse: two power play, two shorthanded goals. Um, so you got to be able to kill penalties effectively. And when you're on the power play, yeah, aggressive, but, but, but you can't be vulnerable. Um, so you got to find ways to capture those moments and, and turn the tides with one shot. And, and I think on the man up, that's the best way to do it. So I, I think that'll be critical down the stretch. Something to keep your eyes peeled on for sure. Joe, Tom Coyne here. One, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about, get your impression because uh, if you're looking for any shiny spot on the schedule coming up is the fact that you've got those games with Toronto, you've got those games with Syracuse, but those are two teams that are actually pretty much assured of a playoff position. Do they lose playoff intensity in those games against Utica? We know that Utica-Toronto has been always been a, a, a very tough game no matter where they were in the standings, and Syracuse and Utica is just a natural rivalry. But at some point, do they kind of back off and say, okay, we're in, we got to look long-term, and, and maybe ratchet it back or maybe not a full roster on the ice? Uh, you know, that's a really good question, Tom, and that's kind of a tricky one. And I would say historically, uh, I don't think teams do that until like the last weekend of the season. So I honestly think that we're still a, a couple weeks away from, you know, maybe Syracuse resting uh, some bodies or Toronto resting some bodies because I got to tell you a couple things. One, nobody wants to lose a game to a divisional opponent. Um, and, and Syracuse wants to be the division winner. Uh, so they have points that they consider valuable on the table as well. 
Um, in Toronto, I, I don't think that they're a team that's just going to kind of roll over and, and play guys for the sake of playing guys. That doesn't seem to be the, the MO of that organization at all. So um, while I think that's a really good question, I wish I could say that I, I think the Comets are going to get off that easy, but I just don't see that being the case with three weeks left to go in the season. You know, you might see something, you know, by the time April 14th or whatever the date is that the last game of the regular season is, you know, maybe I see some potential for that um, because things will, you know, the Comets could be playing to get in and, and so on, but Syracuse will probably be sealed in their postseason position. Um, but I think now it's still a little bit early and, and you got to be ready to face the best of the best. That's Joe Roberts. He is the voice of the Utica Comets. Appreciate the time tonight, Joe. We're going to let you go for the night up against the break. Always some great insight. Scoop is here. Tom Coyne is here. My name is Rain. We're going to take a quick break. Utica Comets insider from the 72 Tavern and Grill. Guys, it's 10 cent wing night till 9 o'clock. And we'll be back with Corey Hergott from Canucks Army. He'll join us with his insight from, I guess, the home base of the parent club. All on 94.9 K-Rock. From down there on the ice, who do you think really made a difference in the first period? Definitely the hockey players, Chrissy. They were the ones who got all the scores. And then you got the goalie wearing every pad in the world and baseball gloves. He's working very hard, too. Let's do that hockey. Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill for Comets Insider. It's Rain Man and Scoop. Brought to you by LeVat Blue, Slocum Dixon, and Pathfinder Bank. And as you heard, play-by-play voice... Joe Roberts saying the last segment, these games this weekend don't get any bigger. You've got Toronto Friday night, Syracuse Saturday night. Really must-win games. We kind of talked about Wednesday's Belleville game as as a must-win game last week. Well, the clock is ticking. The season is winding down. We're getting farther and farther into the calendar. Got to get some wins. Got to get some two-point nights here. Joining us from Canucks Army, a guy who uh, has watched every second of every Utica Comets game, but brings that perspective from Vancouver and the parent club, Corey Hergott of Canucks Army. Uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight, Corey. Thanks for having me on again, fellas. Always happy to come on and talk Comets hockey. So how do you feel? <laughs> I'm sure you, you feel to some degree uh, as down as we do here in Utica about uh, the fortunes. Uh, of our Utica Comets, but there's still time. Mathematically, there's a chance. you got to hope that Belleville and Cleveland fall. But uh, look, Brisebois and Sautner are up there with the parent club. We don't have the same recipe that we were cooking with at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I think that's just part of uh, the AHL life and being part of a developmental team. you know, the coaching staff down there is always going to have that sort of a thing to work with, with a, a bit of a revolving door of players due to call-ups and injuries and, and uh, bringing guys up from the ECHL and, and that sort of a thing. So, I mean, it's it's something that's, uh, that's part of that league and, and every team kind of has to go through it. It seems like the Comets uh, tend to get hit pretty hard with the injuries and the, like, long-term injuries anyway. And, uh and the call-ups. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting way to end the season here. And we got a guy on an amateur tryout who was scoring goals for us in Seamus Malone. I mean, how about an amateur tryout contract? Yeah, his shot percentage is actually fantastic (laughs) at the present moment, if you really think about it. Go ahead, Corey. Yeah, and that's a that's a thing like last year when we saw Tanner McMaster come in uh, fresh out of his off his uh, college career, and, and uh, you know this is 
similar to what's happening up in Vancouver right now with uh, players trying to put their name on the on the map, you know, for next season. There's going to be a lot of those guys in Utica doing the same right now. I mean, uh, we've got Carter Banks and Wacy Hamilton will be back next year. Uh, but the rest of the AHL deals uh, are expiring this offseason. So, you know, players like Dylan Bluegis, uh, I mean, how great has he been? And since he's been back, he's been really uh, helping out quite a bit back there. So, you know, he's he wants to put his best foot forward to, to be back next year. And guys like Cam Darcy and and Brendan Woods and Vincent Arsenault and, and those guys, they all want to they all want a job next year. And the, and Jamie Cipher's on the back end as well. So. Uh, guys like Seamus Malone when they can come in and, and they can show that you know hey I can I can play the middle a little bit here and I can be a bit of a playmaker I, I've really liked a lot of what I've seen uh, with passes coming off of his stick so th- that's a guy I'm keeping my eye on as a, a possibility for next season. Corey Hergoff from Canucks Army is on the phone with us 94.9 K-Rock of course Utica Comets insider at the 72 Tavern and Grill my name is Rain Scoop is here Tom Coyne public address announcer of the Adirondack Bank Center, who's a pretty regular contributor and guest and joins us to talk comments hockey every Whatever Monday. Whatever you call. Yeah, he does. He, he never says no. Of course, we do this 7 to 8 every Monday. We're hoping that we can extend this. Uh, the Comets can kind of back their, themselves into the playoffs. The math is tough right now, and a lot of things got to happen and fall a lot of different ways. Uh, but you never know. Fingers crossed. We always remain positive. So, Corey, if you were to pop off a couple of tweets, and it's at Corey Hergott with two T's, what would they be right now? What are the, the couple of things about the Comets that have been popping around in your head all day, maybe as you've been formulating some ideas to join us on the air? Because every once in a while, you do. You pop something out there where I'm like, ah, hey, you know what? That's a great observation. And I know you've done this. We've talked about this. Uh, you just have some unique stats or some unique things that you've been paying attention to that maybe they kind of float right by the rest of us. Well, I think for me, I just, I, I wonder if we, if we might see the coaching staff maybe look to load up a couple of lines, um, maybe offensively or, or, you know, try to get uh, a little bit more offense going. I, I really think the, the biggest fly in the ointment right now is on the back end, but uh, they might have to sort of score their way out of, out of the issues that they're having back there. You know, like we've talked about with the guys who are up, with the big club right now. So, uh, you know, if, if the coaching staff wanted to load up a couple of lines by putting Boucher with uh, Carroll and McEwen and uh, maybe Gaunt with, say, Darcy and Yashik or Darcy and Lind, uh, try to get a little bit of offense out of those uh, one of those young guys going again, I think that would be a nice thing to see happen. And maybe uh, put together like a shutdown line where you've got Brendan Woods and... Uh, Carter Banks maybe lined up together where they can, uh, you know, help shut down the other team's uh, top lines. I, I think it's going to be a bit of a, you know, uh, Trent Call's going to have to really do a bit of uh, chess-like coaching here towards the end of the season. Corey, you've talked about the special teams previously. How do you think they are now today as opposed to last week and the week before? And we are 0-5 on the power play the other night. Uh, your thoughts on our special teams for the Comets right now? Well, the power play's been taking its lumps lately, but I've I've liked that the penalty kill has looked a little bit better in the last handful of games. They're they're not giving up quite as many goals, although the couple of shorthanded goals the other 
the other day didn't really uh, didn't really help too much. Uh, the, uh, the penalty kill is what I meant to say is is doing well and uh, doing better at least anyway. Uh, I did notice that they had Zach McEwen out of the net front there for the one game and had him as a shooter, and I kind of like that idea. Uh, I know Zach's effective in that net front role, but uh, I think he's got a pretty good shot, and if they can start utilizing that a little bit more often on the power play, I think that's not a bad idea either. Uh, I wish I had better answers for, for what to do with the special teams. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of it has to do with the personnel available to them at the moment. Um, you know, it, it, not having an Ole Ulevi or, a, or an Evan McEnany who can uh, kind of run that power play a little bit on the back end really kind of hurts right now. If it ain't broke, don't try to fix it, but it seems like a few things are broke. I kind of like m- maybe the innovation and trying out a few things that you just haven't done. It It can't hurt at this point, right, to maybe maybe we can, Maybe like that TV commercial, we can sign a walrus to play goal. I, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, be, we're, we're getting close to our last break, and, of course, we have to ask five or six more questions. But any okay. any last words from Tom Coyne? For, no, I, you know, I think that, that it's probably not a bad idea to, to make some jumble on the line if you want to get this club into the playoffs. Um, and I think the other thing, too, is they got to get off the quick starts. Um, you, you know, jump on the first, second shift, uh, get get a lead. That changes the whole tempo of the game. And you can't, you know, play and have to play from behind. This isn't that strong a hockey team to be able to do so. Jump out quick. Yeah, you don't have those guys that can. And, we, yes. and that's something we've talked about for a few weeks now, too. The first period and scoring woes with regards to that. Any last words for us, com- uh, comments, Corey? Well, just uh, let's keep our heads up here, guys. Uh, just like uh, Belleville went on a good little run there, they could also uh, stumble and trip here, and the Comets could go on a little bit of a run of their own. Uh, I've said it a few times on your show this year. If there's one thing I learned about watching a Trent Call coach team last season is uh, there's no quit here. So I, I, I think uh, we, we haven't seen the best of this, uh, what's going to come out of this yet. And, uh, I'm, my fingers are still crossed that the team will be uh, playing some playoff games this year as well. Yeah, I was feeling some positivity throughout the entire show today. Gotta keep that positive vibe out there for these boys, and maybe just maybe they get it done. As always, Corey Hergott with Canucks Army joining us on the phone in our final segment. Thank you for the time, and I guarantee we'll be reaching out before our final broadcast of the year. We got a couple more at the very least. Tom Coyne, Scoop, I'm Rain. This is Utica Comets Insider from the 72 Tavern and Grill. I want to make sure we mention Matt Page, our outstanding producer back in the studio who always gets it done for us. Last word always goes to Scoop. Thanks to the glue guy, and go Comets!